Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and my wonderful co-host, Kate Roberts. Hello, Kate. Hey, Wynne. Hi. I put an extra emphasis on the wonderful just now for you because I had some compliments about you from people I met a few days ago. Is that one of them? Wonderful? Well, they said a lot more than that, but I didn't want to put you off your stride with all the gushing comments that people said about how beautiful you are. (laughs) My head will be ginormous. Right. So I thought I'd keep those compliments (laughs) they said about you to myself. Okay. Just in case that would happen. (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, if you're listening, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Some really lovely comments about Mm -hmm. a podcast from from people I met for the first time over the weekend and in the northeast of the US. So thanks very much for that. Love that. You had a thought, a question about today for us to ponder, Kate. I'm currently sitting in a question. As usual, I don't know the answer to that question. But I've heard often around the topic of our thought and our personal mind, I've heard people say that our minds keeping us safe or trying to protect us. And in hearing that, that makes a lot of sense to me. It feels, it feels true to me that that's what our, that is what our mind is doing to a certain extent. But then, and this is where the question comes in. When our mind is creating these thoughts that feel really harsh, like unkind thoughts that we hear about ourselves. I don't really mean about other people, but when it out of our mind come these really harsh, really unkind thoughts, how is that our mind protecting us? Because that doesn't feel good. And I don't feel protected when I hear them and they feel really real. I don't feel like it's protecting me. And yet I know to a certain extent that's true. And so I guess that's the question that lately has shown up for me, at least this week. Anything show up for you? Well, I think an example of that would be helpful. I mean, I can... I could share top of my head that my my voice would say could say something like, well, when that'll never work out, so don't even try. Yeah. And that would be protecting me from the potential disappointment of it not working out the way I'd like it to. So something I might try. And uh, to prevent the feeling of failure and the disappointment of the feeling of failure, then I my that inner voice would tell me, well, you know, I know you, 
You'll take it badly if it doesn't work. So I'm going to protect you by telling you not to even try. Now, that's something that I'm pretty sure mine has done countless times <laughs> over the years. Don't ask her out. She's only going to say no. Oh, well, that prevents the disappointment of rejection. Yeah, I can see that. Keeps me safe. What about, and I've spoken plenty on this subject, not good enough. Mm. Nobody's really going to benefit from that. Even to some of the smallest things like, oh, you made a mistake. Or, man, you look like shit today. Things like that, like really, I mean, I'm sure are common. And I'm sure I've picked up things along the way that that sound a lot like that. And sometimes I think that those things are flowing through my mind and I don't even hear them because they have become commonplace to a certain extent. Mm. But they can be felt. The thoughts that make us feel not good enough or that we need to get it right or, man, it could be any hundred things that show up that don't feel like protection to me. I suspect there's a positive intent behind whether it's protection. I don't know if that's 100% true 100% of the time, but a positive intent behind maybe I can, I can buy into that being possibly true 100% of the time. So example, hey, you're not good enough for that. Stay here where it's safe. And you'll avoid feeling bad tomorrow if you don't try. Well, sometimes I don't know when you said the I'm not good enough thing. Then what occurred to me was if it's true that whatever the I'm not good enough story is, then the I'm not good enough is protection. But I think it's based on a lie, it's based on an untruth. But I still think that, hey, when you're not good enough for that, you're only gonna, it's only going to fail. You're, you'll fail. You're not good enough. It's protecting me from failure, protecting me from, from that. Now, at the same time, as I said, I don't think that what it's saying is true. I think it's based upon a false premise. But I don't think it knows that. My imagination knows its imagination. I don't think my false premises about myself knows they're false premises. They don't sound like they think they're false anyway. They sound gospel truth to me when I hear them. Sorry, you're about to say something. Then. No, I wanted, I wanted you to say more about that. Like it might be true. Yeah, I think they're going to be based upon false premises because the truth is we never know how things will play out. Ever. But the voice doesn't sound like it knows that. The voice thinks it's absolutely true. So it's like, oh, I know how this plays out. You don't want to go there. I tend to think that what it's protecting me from anyway is feeling bad in the future, which is interesting 
because I'm pretty sure I'm guaranteed to feel bad in the future. <laughs> Regardless, that's going to happen no matter what. And I get over it. Eventually, every feeling I've ever had, I got over it. Every feeling I will have, I'll get over it. That's true for everyone. We don't see that. To me, anyway, I'm in a, when I listen to people talking who I'm having a, a deep conversation with about their life, the number of times it comes down to them avoiding a feeling in the future or avoiding a feeling right now or being scared of a reoccurring feeling in the future because they don't think they'll cope. We forget that we've every time we've had that feeling that we're scared of, it went. But we're so afraid of it coming back that we're not even aware that it went. I know that for myself. I've had that one. I don't know if that answers your question. I don't know if there is an answer. Mm. But I do, I wonder as well, you know how our minds are built for these amazing tasks. So like, drive, let's say driving a car. So you don't have to learn how to drive every time you get into a car and want to go somewhere, right? It stores these things that allow us to navigate this world and our lives. So we don't have to think about them. They're happening. I wonder if some of these thoughts that we've picked up along the way, these very harsh, very unkind things that we hear in our own heads, I wonder if sometimes they're a little bit like that. They, they've become so habitual that we don't think about them. Mm. They're just cycling through as if, this is what we do when we drive a car. This is what we do when we're having our every day that they have become so habitual. We don't recognize they're happening even sometimes. I wonder if it's just habitual thought as well, not with a purpose necessarily to protect or that it has some helpful benefit to it, at least in our mind, but it's just automatic. Because we've been doing it so long. Yeah. It's funny the example you chose because this morning I drove a car for the first time in a month. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't driven my car in a month. I realized it today. So well, two hours after I got home, I went to get my hair cut today. And I realized, wait, it's been exactly a month since the last time I drove this car. And any car, I've not driven any other car in the meantime, in my, wherever I've been. Well, I didn't have to think about pressing the ignition button and remembering how to put it in reverse and then look over my shoulder and indicate when I needed to indicate if I was turning right or left and look, you know, it, it was still automatic. <laughs> I also think this is really cool about what you just said, that an awful lot of our thought habits, that self-deprecating story that we might have might be of the same milk because it's been there so long. It's just become a habit. Here's something else that I find really interesting about this too. I know what I'm going to say next is true, okay? Yet it really doesn't feel it a lot of the time. Any thought I have about myself that makes me feel bad 
must be a lie. Must be a lie. And, and here's why I think that. And this is not about when, this is about everyone. It's about you, Kate. It's about you listening to this right now. Any thought we have that makes us feel bad is based upon a story we have of ourselves that isn't the truth of who we really are. So for me, here's some things I, I know about the win before when things of win before I engage the story that I might have of me, before my ego, before all of that stuff, I'm made of things that are 14 billion years old, gone through a few different supernovas, recycled stardust a few times over, animated by the energy that created all of matter, with consciousness that is something that no one really understands either, and we're aware of ourselves. I'm aware of me. I'm aware of the universe. And I was watching a documentary um, overnight about life is what gives the universe meaning. We give the universe meaning. We give meaning to ourselves. I can't be separate from the magnificence of all of that, but I can damn well think I am. And the stories I'll tell myself will be so small compared to the part of the whole that I must be made of and could never be separate from. So while it, it's keeping my, the separate idea of myself safe, having all of these thoughts, but there isn't a separate self really anyway, other than the moment, moment by moment appearance as if there is a separate self. I find that extraordinary. And I cannot get my head around it. And yet I know it's true. My brain cannot really see that yet. I've yet to have an insight that's blown that whole thing open. But I can't be separate from the universe. I can't be made of something that isn't of the same ilk. I remember a, a few days ago, I was uh, out, with a f out with a friend in their garden looking at the planets through a telescope. And for the first ever time, I saw three moons of Jupiter through a telescope. How cool. I know. How cool was that, right? I thought, that's stunning. Moved the telescope around, and I saw from not naked eye, yes, but with the aid of a telescope, the rings of Saturn in their magnificence. And then the moon as if it was the size of a dinner plate. And I can be so enamored by their beauty and then fall for the trick as if I'm not made of the same stuff as they are. Created by the same energy that made all things. It's just, it's impossible for that to be untrue. But I can think it. I can think there's a separate me. I can think there's a separate me that therefore might require to be held safe. And in my physical entity and the this form of life in the entity known as Wynne Morgan, yes, there's a finite view to that. This will not, this form will not last forever. No form ever does. Form, there's nothing in form that is permanent. Nothing in physical form that is permanent. 
including my body, my life. But it will become something else and the energy will become something else. That bit's kind of like permanent. It will just transfer from one form to another. And yet I can think I'm separate, precious, delicate, and need to be kept safe emotionally when bigger picture doesn't stand up to scrutiny at all. And yet in our, within our skulls, we have the most sophisticated thing that we've ever seen in the entire universe. The most sophisticated thing we've ever seen in the entire universe is the human brain. And we can look back at these galaxies and black holes and rogue planets and pulsar stars and stuff like that. And yet there's nothing more sophisticated than the human brain. And it resides in our skulls. Far more powerful than, I don't know how many computers there are in the world, right? But still able to do things that that can't. We can't even understand the brain and how amazing it works. That's the brain, yet alone mind, which to me is not the same thing. Electricity is not the wires in a house. It's not the wiring. There's something far bigger than that. And yet, because of how amazing mind and brain are, I will make up a separate self and then create stories to protect the separate self that isn't even there. It's so cool to notice that, isn't it? I, well, I think so. I think it's really cool to notice that. I'm in awe of that. When if someone asked you what the difference is between the brain and the mind, what would you say? Well, first of all, I don't really know. But the only thing I can point to is, well, the, the example I just said there, in, in my house and in your house there, there are, there are wires. And through the wires is electricity. Electricity to me is the version of the mind and the wires is the brain. But at the same time, when people talk about, <laughs> this is one of my bugbears. I know a few episodes ago, well, a dozen or even 20 episodes ago, we talked about things that annoy us. And I've said a few of those things and, people who've listened to me um, on this podcast and who I know bring them up as this kind of a way of teasing me. Well, here's another one you can tease me about, right? Brain being hardwired. Uh, uh, no such thing. No such thing as the hardwire in the brain. It isn't there. There's a soup. It's um, people talk about um, neuroscience and so forth and, it's neuroplasticity, which is it's more like a soup in there than there is anything else. Okay, yes, of course, there are cells. Yes, there are neurons. But no one's yet found the cell in the brain where the memory of my fifth birthday resides. Because that's not how the brain works. And the mind, to me, is the energy that makes it all come to life in the same way the electricity flows through the wires of the house. That's as as good as I get to explain the difference right now, I might have got a better way of saying it in a month's time or even five minutes time after we stop recording. I might think, darn it. I wish I'd have used that metaphor. That'd be better. But that's all I can think of right now. But I know they're not the same thing. The mind and the brain are not the same thing in the same way as consciousness, my awareness, 
And awareness does not belong to win and only win. It's a bigger thing than that. And we don't even understand energy. We don't understand how gravity works. We don't understand how electricity works. There's dark energy that apparently accounts for a huge proportion of the energy in the universe. And it's called dark energy because no one knows what it is yet. We don't know. It's not dark energy because it hides in the corner, spooking you out at Halloween, right? It's dark energy because no, because it, apparently it doesn't, doesn't react to, to light, to photons, apparently. And that's the same for dark matter. Dark matter hides because it doesn't react to light. Not that it's hiding in the corner, scaring us. So I just, there's, I don't know, energetically, there's an awful lot more than what goes on within my skull. And still what goes on within my skull is phenomenal. But I know I'm not qualified to talk about it better than I just have, way beyond what I understand. Yeah, I love what you said because... You know, it's super fun for me to, you know, hear something and and explore it and, and talk about it and sit in questions. And I don't know, that's just, that's really fun for me. But, you know, what you said, as you point back to who we really are, it just reminds me that that's an arena that our minds can't play in. Not the intellect, not the brain, not the personal mind and all of our thoughts. Like it can't play in that arena. And that's so cool to see. It thinks it can, whether it's for protection or feeding us the same thoughts we've been thinking our whole lives or uh, making up stories of what our future looks like. Like it really thinks it can play in that arena. It tries really hard. <laughs> but it can't. And the truth of who we really are, that space has just such a different feeling. Mm. When you start to get just a sense of that, that we're not those thoughts, that we're not what's showing up. How cool is that? And we get to be these, like these impartial observers of our experience almost. Mm. I was just uh, reading this book called um, A Rich Man's Secret. Have you read that book? It's cool. I'm writing it down. <laughs> But there's this seeker, right? And he's running around and knows that there's a secret in life that he hasn't, he didn't know. He's discontent. He's always looking for the next thing. And, mm. and at one point he realizes that he goes on, basically it's kind of like this scavenger hunt that someone set up from the grave. It's really actually kind of cool about the secret. And, uh, and he ends up having a conversation with a woman who knows the secret. Are you going to spoil the ending now? I'm not. Okay. 
But one of the things... And proceed, please. You're okay. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things that she said was, just watch your thoughts. Don't flinch. Just watch. And the first time I read that book, I didn't pick up on how important it was not to flinch. Mm. Because I was still flinching. That's how it was. And that's how it still is for me sometimes. I'm like, ugh, these thoughts, right? Yeah. Don't flinch, just watch. You know, don't resist them. Don't push up against, just watch, just watch what's going on. Because it's not you. Those thoughts will never be you. Will never be me. Not who we really are not what we're really made of Mm. and what you said is a reminder of that for me so thank you thank you this has been fun always always Kate (laughs) I love it when you come up first of all I love it when you come up with something to talk about because I seldom do and secondly they're always great they're fun to play yeah, they are. Thanks, Lynn. You've been listening to Under the Noise or watching Under the Noise on YouTube. If you have any questions or comments or suggestions for topics or would like to be a guest on the show, we would love that. Reach out to us. Our details follow the podcast. And we hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.